Welcome back, folks, to another episode of City of Desert. I'm Father David. Uh, we're continuing our reading of St. Hezekiah of Jerusalem, uh, his letter to Theodolus on sobriety and prayer. And uh, we're continuing to look at how uh, this kind of watchfulness, sobriety, uh, is fostered and how it is that we maintain it over, over time. And in the following paragraphs that we'll be looking at today, picking up uh, with section 24 uh, on page 283 of the text, if you're following, uh, Hezekiah begins to teach us some of the uh, practices of the demons to uh, uh, pull us off of the practice of, of sobriety as ways that we also trip our own selves up. In, in the practice, especially in the ways that we would perhaps attempt to move away from the teachings of the fathers. And so once again, we're picking up with paragraph number 24. Zacchaeus writes that the mind cannot conquer evil imagination through itself alone, and let it never undertake it. For so cunning are our enemies, they pretend to be worsted, and from another side they trip up our heels by means of vanity. But against the invocation of Jesus, they will not endure to stand and beguile you, even for a moment. And so we have to show great care that they uh, will at times retreat, uh, in a sense to give us a, a kind of false pride, to give us a sense that we've been victorious in the battle. And so we might not be afflicted by thoughts or temptations for even a long period of time, thinking that we have somehow uprooted the passion that might be behind it, only later than to trip us up uh, because of our pride in this manner. We'll be afflicted in such a way that we're overwhelmed because we've let down our guard. But so long, uh, Hezekiah tells us, so long as we maintain the practice of the Jesus prayer and to do so unceasingly, we are protected uh, even in this way, from being overcome uh, when the, the demons uh, retreat. He then goes on in paragraph 25 to tell us, Take heed, lest you should think highly of yourself in the manner of Israel of old, and invent your own methods of struggle. So in this spiritual life, it is very important for us to cling to the experience and the wisdom of the fathers, those who have uh, practiced uh, a life of sanctity and who've engaged in in this practice for for decades and throughout the course of their full life. Those the church recognizes as saints. The moment that we begin to innovate or think that somehow we could modify the practices when we weaken ourselves spiritually. And he goes on to say, and thyself too be delivered over to the mental enemies. So the moment that we begin to to innovate we will find ourselves once again in their grip. For he, after he had been delivered from Egypt by the call of all, devised a molten image as a help for himself. Uh, Hezekiah is making reference here, obviously, to when Moses went up the mountain uh, to get the law from the Lord. And down below, in his absence, the people fashioned a molten image to, to worship. And so it could be true for us that absent the, the lawgiver, absent the presence of the Lord, 
within our own, own heart through the practice of, of the Jesus prayer. We can innovate in the spiritual life. And absent the guidance of the fathers of the church, uh, we can innovate to create spiritual practices, as so often has happened within the history of the church. Uh, I think the main point that Hezekiah puts before us here of, of obtaining a kind of prayer without image, of setting aside the thoughts, has been all but lost uh, here within the West, that there are so many various schools of spirituality uh, that have arisen, um, that the teachings have not simply been modified, but in many ways lost altogether. And it's in regaining and returning to the wisdom of the fathers uh, that we can once again enter into the spiritual life fully. In paragraph 26, he goes on to say, and you should understand that the molten image is our weak reason, which, as long as it calls on Jesus Christ against the spirits of evil, easily drives them away. But whenever in its, uh, whenever in its folly it trusts wholly to itself, like the bird called swift-winged, it falls down to its death. And so the moment we begin to trust in our own reason and our own judgment, and certainly the moment we begin to place that reason and judgment above the teaching of the fathers and the elders of the church is when we will fall, as it were, from the height of even the greatest sanctity. He continues the paragraph by saying, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. And again, who beside the Lord will rise up for me against the evildoers, and who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity, the multitude of my thoughts? But he who trusts in himself and not in God shall fall with a grievous fall. It's God alone who can simplify our thoughts and free us from the affliction uh, so often caused by our imagination or our, our fantasies. And so the moment we turn away from this practice, once again, we fall into iniquity. He teaches us instead that we should imitate uh, an earthly creature, that, that is the spider, in paragraph 27. He writes, If you wish to struggle as you ought, beloved, let that little creature, the spider, be a pattern for you showing you with the way and order of silence of the heart. The spider seizes and kills small flies. Like the spider sitting in the middle of its web, may you too keep silence in the soul with the utmost effort and never cease killing the children of Babylon. For such slaughter you would be called happy by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of David. And so a spider is attentive to every and even the most slightest movement of the web uh, to give evidence of the approach of another insect. And so we are to be attentive even to the slightest movement of our minds and our hearts uh, to catch sight then of the approach of the enemy. And once again, we're presented with an image of the intensity uh, with which we are to enter into this battle. There's an image of smashing the skulls of the children 
uh, of Babylon upon the rocks that we find uh, from David in the Psalms. And the fathers take up this image for the spiritual life that we, making use of that, again, insensitive faculty, we are to dash, as it were, those thoughts against the rock uh, as soon as we uh, take them into our grip, that we are not to fool ourselves in the, in the spiritual battle, thinking that we can linger with such thoughts or let them remain within our hearts. The devil, as it were, never rests. And so we must be relentless in, in the battle and as fierce even as this image uh, that Hezekiah puts before us. And finally in this section, Hezekiah reminds us that this battle is absolutely impossible without the unceasing prayer of Jesus. In section 28, uh, he tells us, as it is not possible for the Red Sea to be seen in the firmament in the middle of the stars, and as it is not possible for a man walking on the earth not to breathe this air. So it is impossible to purify our heart from passionate thoughts and to drive out our mental enemies without constantly calling on Jesus Christ. And so as it is impossible uh, to walk without breathing, so it is impossible not to breathe spiritually, as it were, not to constantly call upon the name of Jesus. It's only when we breathe this air that we are able to fully engage in that battle. The moment that we cease from doing it, we become weakened and we lose the battle. In Second 29, he goes on to say, if with humility of thought and the remembrance of death and with self-reproach and resistance to thoughts and calling on Jesus Christ, you remain constantly within your heart. And if you journey soberly with these weapons day by day on that way of the mind, which is narrow, but sweet and gladdening, you will come to the holy contemplation of holy things, and you will be enlightened by knowledge of the deep mysteries of Christ. And so the sweetness of this practice and what it promises to us is well worth the effort, whatever we might sacrifice, uh, whatever we might suffer in order to gain control of our passions, of our thoughts, is well worth it, because then we begin to taste the sweetness of intimacy with the Lord. He goes on to say, in whom are hid all the treasures of the wisdom and knowledge of God, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. For you shall feel in Jesus that into your heart has left the Holy Spirit, by whom the minds of men are illumined and with open face beholding the glory of God. It is said no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost, who thus secretly affirms the seeker of the Lord of the truth about him. And so the greatest gift is that the Spirit begins to dwell within us, and that we begin to pray in the power of that spirit, and so come to have a vision of God himself, to see God. Blessed are the pure of heart, so that they shall see God. That it is theoria, contemplation, that is promised to us, 
to all of these efforts. Let us, as always, endeavor to take St. Hezekiah's words to heart and to embrace them not simply with our mind, but in our daily lives and actions. Uh, if you have any questions about this episode that you would like to put to us here at the Oratory, please send us an email and we'll get back to you as soon as we can or take it up in a future episode. Thank you once again for joining us for City of Desert, and we'll see you soon.